Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. Delighted to be back with you again today. We're going to take a look here at how we can create a better life through monthly passive income. Our guest today, Martin Sines, is a managing partner with Bequest Funds, a $50 million fund that disperses returns on investment of 9% on a monthly basis. Martin's life experiences have taught him many things, but what he strives to do is to help all of us to develop passive income to live our lives more freely. He has authored five books, three of those which focus on real estate. So, Martin, take us into the show and share a memorable experience that helped you to be who you are today. Yes. So I would say in my earlier years of entrepreneurship, when my wife and I uh, founded a government contracting company in in 05, and it took about three years to get off the ground before we really started seeing the light of day. And there were there were many uh, financial hardships along the way during that period of time. And, you know, I remember there was a number of Fridays where uh, I literally made payroll the day of that it was due. And there was one time in particular where I went to the mailbox. It was a Friday about 11 o'clock and, and, uh, it says payroll was due and just happened to get a large check on that I, that I had been waiting on. And I just had the check in my hand and just sat in my car and cried. And, uh, so I don't know, it was like kind of an emotional experience, whether it was like the tears of joy or just tears of, of, of kind of just the whole frustration of things. And so I just, I just know that those years of getting a company off the ground from the basement of our home were just really moment, you know, there's like, it was a moment in time that has helped formed who I am today, how I make decisions, how I remain humble, just how I kind of pursue every opportunity. Well, great. Uh, Great uh, introduction there, uh, Martin. We are in definitely in a period of inflation, and it looks like that may continue for some time. Actually, seems like we're always in a period of inflation with periods of uh, minor periods of, uh, of depression. So talk to us about where we are today, what is the outlook like, and, uh, and how is that really affecting all of us? Yeah, I think I think to tie into the first question, I think there's a lot of people crying on the inside financially. And, you know, CNBC reported the other day that U.S. credit card debt is at an all time high at nine hundred thirty billion dollars. And what that tells you is, you know, we went from a few years ago where we had, you know, uh, high levels of savings due to covid people weren't going out, people were just keeping their money to now a period of record high credit card debt. So what that tells all of us is that people are spending their credit cards to buy everyday goods and services that they need to live. And so um, 
you know, compound that with interest rate hikes and you have credit cards that were at 14% now are 20%. And, and so with, uh, you know, snowballing debt for the consumer with no hopes of having it end well, other than someone getting a second job or someone filing bankruptcy or some other outcome or someone, you know, you know, pulling from their retirement to make their payments or, or something. So um, people are in a real financial headwind now. And we have, it's well beyond the talk that you see out in the financial media. Well, gas prices were at 450. Now they're at 350 or CPI inflation year over year is down from 9.1% to 8.3. Those are just numbers that analysts and people like to float around, but What's really happening to most people is they they are they are being pinched in a major way financially. What is surprising to me, what you just mentioned from a state of being able to save money to that period of uh, living off of credit cards, essentially, that happened in a very short period of time. Have you ever seen anything move quite that drastically, except, well, in 2000? Yeah. Um, y- you know, what... What that tells, what that speaks to is the volatility and how fragile our whole system is. And, um, you know, the, the powers to be and the, and the levels of manipulation behind that with our government, with the Fed, with, um, you know, I don't care what side of the uh, Republican or Democrat or whatever, like we're all, we're all under this, this, uh, you know, the, this system that is kind of working against us in a way. And at, at some point when free money's flowing, it wasn't just flowing to, um, it was flowing to businesses in the form of cheap debt. It, 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 and then, you know, with during COVID with PPP loans, with EIDL loans. So just cheap money flowing through businesses, businesses that are, are relying on debt to survive versus income. And now all that's dried up. And then also money that was given out, stimulus money to consumers, that has dried up. So you just turn off the spigot and you have all these people that just need to survive based on their merit, businesses that need to survive based on their merit. And we're seeing where that's leading us. Yeah. Another thing that has amazed me is gas prices were like four fifty dollars uh, a gallon, which was a shock to everybody. And now they're down to three fifty a gallon, and everybody's relieved. And I'm going, that's still about a dollar fifty higher than it was yeah. a year ago. But everybody's relieved to have. Well, what people don't understand is we've just um, exhausted forty percent of our strategic oil reserves in this country. These are oil reserves that should be set aside for emergencies, and government in is using that as. Um, you know, whatever political points or whatever. And, and so if we have a true emergency, then, then we're going to have issues mm-hmm. unless we replenish the supply. Right. But that's a whole other topic. I mean, aside from that macro babble, you know, people, are, people, are, people need more real income. So you have all this wage growth that's being touted out there. Oh, wages grew 6%. Well, yeah, but real wages, when you factor in inflation, are negative. It's we've had we have negative growth, so you may get a 10k bump moving to a different job, but if you're paying 20k more for eggs and groceries and gas and blah blah blah, 
then you're really losing money at a point, And that's when you pull out the credit card. Well, Martin, you've been in, involved in finance for almost two decades now. So how is it that people can actually start taking control of their finances in this kind of environment? It starts with putting together a financial statement for you, you and your family. So pulling up, I have an Excel spreadsheet template I actually created and I, and I did that to share with, with my staff. I have 25 employees and I share it with whomever wants it. So if someone sends me an email, I'll be glad to send them this. It's an Excel spreadsheet. And so what it is, income statement, income expenses, balance sheet, assets, liabilities. I don't get into owner equity. And what I do though on the income side is I break out how much income is associated to active income and how much of your income is associated to passive income. So this is where I try to, um, this is, a, I, I've been using this spreadsheet and update it weekly for years, like many years. And I review it with my wife on an ongoing basis. And so, so this just, this just starts to help people develop the mindset to be actively engaged with where they are financially, whether it's a great position or it's a horrible position. You just need to know where, where you're at. Well, that's certainly a good starting point. And I, I suspect there's a good number of us who don't really know exactly where we are. But once you know where you are in this kind of pinched environment where Real income is dropping, even if you're getting increases on your active income there. How do you get started there? Well, I think of it like going to the gym. So when you first join, let's say you get out of shape, which I need to get back in the gym. It's been a few weeks, but you're you're getting out of shape and you go sign up for a gym membership. What's the first thing they do? You meet with a trainer that, or one of the sales individuals they put you on the scale, they measure your body fat. And so this is essentially the same thing as, as putting together a financial statement. But what happens is that if they do that and they sign you up for a gym membership, and then there's no more engagement between you and the gym in terms of having a personal trainer or getting into a routine, then the chances of you dropping out of that membership are, are great. And, and they actually count on it, right? They bank on you not going. So 90% or whatever, don't go back to the gym after that first month. And so the ones that do, the ones that say, I want to get a personal trainer, I want to get the nutritionist, I want to get into a regimen, I want to put a workout on my calendar. The ones that get engaged are, are better served. But here's the thing is that you need that initial assessment that financial statement that lets you know where you're at. And then you need to start building habits where you look at it daily or weekly so that you can start making subconscious adjustments in your mind that lead to real action adjustments. So Martin, what do you, uh, what do you mean here when you say that you're, as uh, we grow our passive income, we also grow our active income. How, how does that work? Sure. So fast forward, uh, when I was letting you know about my story about crying in a car and, you know, 2009 started buying commercial real estate, 2013, my wife and I were done with the federal business and we sold it. And we were just having, uh, starting our family out at the time, had our first child and we were done with the hundred hour work weeks, et cetera. 
And so I made a declaration to myself, if you will, promise to myself. And I said, what I'm going to do next is going to have a greater service to society. And it's going to allow me to earn income with less stress and anxiety. And so, in other words, more passive income. And so, you know, hence I, I fell, fell into mortgage note investing because I had already been landlording for a few years prior. And this is where I found everything I was looking for. I'm able to help homeowners stay in their homes. I'm able to work out payment plans. I'm able to create cash flow for myself and then now my company. And what I've learned is the more people I serve, the more passive income I earn, which motivates me to increase my level of engagement and grow my company and earn more active income in pursuit of greater levels of passive income. So the two feed off each other. So you people think linear in a way with this whole concept, I think. This is just my opinion. But they think like, if I can only, I, I need 10,000 bucks a month to live. If I can only get 10,000 in passive income, I quit the job. So I move from active income to passive income and life is good and I never, and I can live on a beach. But what they don't understand is like, once you start, if, if you're earning that passive income by providing a great service back to society and being a contributor and you feel good inside and you're doing well by others, then, then it makes you want to grow what it is you're doing for active income. So you just can be a greater service provider. Yeah. I, you know, you hear people working towards re retirement and then they retire. And actually people, the death rate after retirement is the average is about two years after retirement. So that ideal of going to the beach and uh, having nothing to do just doesn't lead to a very fulfilling life. And what you're talking about here is, it seems to me that the picture is much bigger than just income, that it is. The real goal here seems to be to actually be striving for the development of fulfillment in living. And of course, there's many different ways uh, to go about that. Uh, you found that in mortgage note investing, and you said you had been a landlord. Kind of contrast those two kinds of income and why it is that you ultimately went to focus on mortgage note investing. Yeah, I'm, I'm still a landlord. Just, you know, our company purchased a 60,000 square foot medical office building in Houston, Texas in August. So we're very much still active on the commercial real estate side. But with that said, I would say that I have a greater passion towards residential mortgage loads. So these are mortgage loads we buy that may be in a distressed state or the homeowner had some financial difficulties at some point. We buy them at a discount. We work with the homeowner to find out what they can afford. And we work out payment plans to avoid foreclosure at all costs. So our mission is to help these homeowners get back on track because if we don't, then interest accumulates on their account and it spirals out of control. And they're, they're in variable interest rates, which should be criminal in this country. And so we get with them, we can make accommodations because we did buy it at a discount. We always put them in a fixed product so then that way they can pay off their obligation at some point. And we treat people in a humane fashion. And so that is my passion. I mean, that's what I wrote my books on. 
That's what um, we've done this with well over a thousand mortgages that we owe. And, and so contrast that with, you know, buying a medical office building, it's a great purchase. Um, there's depreciation offsetting. There's, you know, all, all the, there's appreciation, you know, there's all these perks. We're leasing up the property. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to be able to exit out at some point, um, you know, for, for profit. So the upside's there, everything's there financially. It's a good sound investment, but it's not what like would bring joy to my heart, if you will. And why is that, that that's not bringing the same kind of joy to your heart that the, that the notes do? Because I relate to that underdog person, to that family that's struggling financially, to people that are, are just trying to provide for their families. And, and, and they're maybe like distracted with white noise. They haven't figured out how to do a financial statement for themselves. They're, they're, they haven't just figured out how to elevate themselves from where they are currently. And so these are the people, these are my people. And so that's who my heart goes out to. So every time we help people, we give them options. We always give options. We always put them in a fixed product. We always treat people with compassion and transparency. And how we view these individuals, these homeowners, is these people are actually making our payroll. They're actually paying our bills. So when you start holding people at that high level of regard, then you start like it changes your whole outlook. And, um, and, I, and I'll say this one last thing is when you, when you do that for people and people tell you, Hey, no one's ever treated me with this level of respect or, or dignity or however, they actually are your best payers. They're the ones that will pay. They may not pay the Macy's bill or they may not pay, you know, so-and-so with student loan, but they're paying you. And it's not just because you hold the mortgage on their house. It's it's for, there's a deeper reason behind it. Martin, give us just a little bit of insight into the uh, back-end workings of the note business. How is it that you acquire these notes and uh, and just a little bit of the, the back-end of that? Sure. So we purchase these mortgages uh, from, from, from other hedge funds in the secondary mortgage market. So what happens is you have these, Banks like Wells Fargo, PNC, they originate mortgages and they do it with borrowers that are A level borrowers. They have good credit, they have good income, and they just ran into a situation in life, whether it was a divorce or a health issue, and they stop paying. And so the lender goes and does internal charge offs, they do all their things that banks do. And then they sell it pools of these defaulted mortgages into the secondary mortgage market to, to funds like ours. And so we have a private fund that uh, serves like an incubator fund. We don't have any investors in that. We have about 35, 40 million in there. It's just my partner and I own those. And our, our whole operation is built around helping these people go from a defaulted state into a performing state. And so once these mortgages start performing, then they become re-seasoned. So these homeowners are making their payments on time each and every month. And so a year or two years passes and these people have shown they're back on their feet. They're beyond that situation that they had. 
And from that point, from that point, they are eligible. We buy those mortgages into our income fund, which is a separate fund, the 506C Reg D income fund, where accredited investors come in, put money in with us. We pay a 9% annual return. We make our payments on a monthly basis. There's no fees. And we buy these mortgages into the income fund at an 11, 12% yield, even though the coupon rate is at five, six percent. And so the homeowner wins because we hold on to their mortgage and and they get the, the service they need. The investor wins because they're going to get a consistent and predictable return in this world of chaos that we live in. And and we win because we have an annuity play on the back end with our income fund. Well, a very interesting program you have going there. And from my experience, fairly unique kind of business arrangement that you've made uh, there. Amazing what you're doing uh, with that. Thank you. Martin, you've written several books. Tell us what those books are and how it is that we can get a hold of those. Sure. So you just put my name, Martin Signs, in Amazon and you'll get you'll get the books. The books are written, especially the note investing ones. So note investing made easier, note investing fundamentals. These books are written to speak to the entrepreneur that wants to set up a note investing business themselves. So, you know, you have individuals, they recognize that they need more income in their life. They work a job, they own a business, whatever. And so they have a few choices to make. They can get a second job, they can increase, you know, double their active income. And unfortunately, with remote workers, you know, there's articles that are coming out now where, where there's some that are taking two full-time jobs and, and not telling the other employers. And so you're having people do what they feel they need to do, if you will. I'll leave it at that. And then, or you can go figure out how to make more money within the current company you're in. Whether there's employee referral programs, whether there is a sales position available, whatever. Or you can go start earning passive income where you're, you're parking capital into a vehicle like Bequest funds or like some other passive income income fund. And you start getting additional capital paid to you every month without having to do any work. Or you can go say, well, I'm entrepreneurial. I need a side hustle. I need, I want to start buying mortgage notes myself. You know, I have a control freak side of me. You know, I, I, I want to, or, or I have the curiosity and I want to make a, a run at this, whatever. And so I speak to that individual that, that, that wants to make a run at it. And I say, these are all the things I did that to get set up. This is how I operate my business. This is um, some of the tricks of the trade. Obviously, <clears throat> much of it is hands-on. I mean, you, yeah, at the end of the day, you have to go out, put real money to buy real mortgages and make a whole run at it yourself. Yeah. Well, sounds very good, uh, Martin. So the goal is for the passive income to eventually exceed the active income. And you've given some pointers on that. Give us a little bit more detail on that. Yeah. So I think as a rule of thumb, just as you're putting, as you're maybe working a financial statement, as you're breaking out what income is passive, when it comes active, you know, one way you can measure how you're doing is you can you can say, well, I I, I need ten thousand a month to live. I'm going to go back to ten thousand. That always seems to be a magic number with a lot of people. 
And so I work actively. I make 120 a K a year and 10 K, 10 K a month is what I need. So if I can earn passive income to 10 K, then I at least know that I'm safe if I lose my job or see what happens is people, I don't know, wealth managers, you know, the whole financial community, they say, have six months of savings. If you lose your job, have a year, have a two years, whatever. Well, you're cutting down the fruit tree that produces fruit. Why not say, let me strive to earn passive income to the level of my active income. So if I lose my job with active income, I have enough to pay my, the 10 K nutty a month. So I'm using the fruit off the fruit tree. And, and that's the whole foundation of all of this. Now, as you, as, as, if you can get 10 K of passive income to match your 10 K of active income, then now you have double the money. And so then you can start rolling your, some of your passive income into other passive income vehicles and creating velocity. Or um, what I'm, what I've been kind of working towards now is breaking off passive income to go towards charitable, um, charitable um, causes that my wife and I, uh, you know, are near to dear to our heart. And so that's beautiful. So imagine this, imagine your heart goes out to a charity and you're like, I'd like to give, but my portfolio is down 20, 24.9%. Stock stocks are down 24.9% as of the end of Q3 this year. Worst year since 2002. So people are struggling. But oh, I'd love to give. But but if you're giving from passive income that's being replenished each and every month, you don't feel the burn. And and so you become more charitable. You become more giving. You're able to express yourself better. So so many things open up for you if you just learn the fundamentals where you're starting to look at passive income and making that a reality in your life. Well, Martin, let's close out here by having you share with our viewers and listeners how it is they can get in touch with you and uh, take advantage of what you have to offer. Sure. Email me at martin at bqfunds.com. So martin at bqfunds.com. I'll send you the template, the Excel um financial statement template. And, um, you know, if you have any questions, let me know. I don't care if, if you have questions not related to the income fund, I don't care. I mean, if you just have a general question, I, I love, you know, interacting with people serving and, and I feel very blessed with where I am right now in life. And so any questions at all, let me know. And I'll be happy to help. Well, Martin, it's been a pleasure having you. Thanks for being with us today. And viewers and listeners look forward to being with you in our next episode. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.